early in the novel, June says, we never pay attention to the right thing, she thinks, as she watches the truck vanish beyond the bent head until it's too late. And I like the sentence of delays, that's until it's too late to, to the end. But that, again, it was one of those sentences, I think, that I carried around with me for a few days. That mm. We spend our, our lives sort of either preoccupied or uh, you know, just meditating either on ephemera or, or on the thing that, that sort of monomania, that, whether it's sort of a like compulsive uh, way of thinking that but I like that. And again, is this something that perhaps fiction can do that other art forms can't in quite the same way? Is make us pay attention, perhaps, to the ways that our our minds are working. That, mm. that, that, and certainly, a novel that allows us such intimate access to people's consciousness and to so many different kinds of consciousness. Yeah, yeah I think. Well, there, I mean, you know, there's so much death, particularly at the, at the beginning of the book, and probably there's nothing like death that that that. It calls up that idea of having m- missed it, you know, and and having, you know, um, focused on the wrong things and 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 having it, like not appreciated or, or paid attention to or experienced um, someone who's no longer around to, to experience. There, I, there was I don't know if you ever saw the show Six Feet Under. Yeah. And so I, it, it took me a long time to, to get to it, and then when I finally did, I watched it on uh, my iPod, like, working out in the mornings. And so, over the course of, like, a, a long period of time, like, over a year, I watched all the seasons. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so to see that whole thing is really almost as if, it, like, this big, sprawling novel, like, would exist, like, as, you know, I, I don't know how many seasons there were, like, eight. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember through most of it being so frustrated with the characters just because they were always squabbling they were always kind of like um, they, each one was sort of a scholar in in the ways that the people in their family or their, their lovers or you know had failed them and and they were just constantly telling each other sort of like how they'd failed each other and um, and I remember getting so impatient with it and just being like you know, because some, like, some of the characters are just like, are you kidding me? You're so broken and so particular and, and so difficult that the fact that you have any love in your life is a miracle, which is probably how I think of myself. And, <laughs> and, and, and here there would be, like, love, like, arriving, like, at the door. And, and the response to it would be to describe, like, how it's not perfect and how it's failing them. And, and that just, to me, seemed, like, just so tragic and... Mm. And also, and here you have in that show, at the beginning of every episode, death. These people who work, who are connected to this funeral home, are being reminded of death like every single day of their lives, and yet they they they're missing it. They're they're missing so much of what they should be celebrating, and and you know judging and running down and trying to change and shift and make it sort of you know just exactly the way they want it. When when the truth is like if they just stop doing that, they could actually enjoy the lives that they're given, and. And, I, and so at the end of that show, I really felt like there had been this curtain sort of pulled back on Alan Ball's vision for it. And I've never met him. I've never talked to him. I've never even read like what he's, what his intentions for the show. But my my feeling was this very thing, which was, you know, just that, you know, I mean, he, you know, over the course of like many years and seasons, like and hours of uh, broadcast television, he was basically saying like, you know, stop it, like, just in, you know, like. You know, this person who's sitting next to you, like, like love them, like to the best of your ability, and be loved. Let yourself be loved, and um, and uh, and because life is short, it's going to be over like faster than you know. And uh, you know, I, with my dad dying, I'm so grateful because I spent 
the last 10 years, and I spent years not talking to him. Right. And in the last 10 years, we really became good friends. And then in the last year, I was, I was just, you know, with him a lot, more than I've been my whole life, you know, um, since, you know, being a toddler. And, uh, and I got a chance to, to, um, to see what a great man he was, in addition to being a tyrant <laughs> when I was a kid. And, and that he did the best he could. And it wasn't, at some times it wasn't great. And, um, but, uh, but we got, we, we were able to talk about that time and we were able to, to, um, I mean, we'd both not been, I wasn't what he wanted for a son. He wasn't what I wanted for a father. And we both kind of forgave each other for those failures. And, uh, and, uh, and then got to really enjoy the people who we actually are. And I'm incredibly grateful for that. And I look at it as a miracle because it was definitely like not likely. And um, and so I think in the book, like th- that's 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 definitely something I felt like you know um, that uh, you know these characters weren't given a chance. You know, it's so many of these. You know, all of our relationships in life are sort of mid-process, and and uh, and so you know all these cliches of like don't go to bed angry or you know like if you love somebody tell them like you know in a way like there is there is there's such a truth to that and but also li- living with that complexity that I think it, that we want we want to feel nice and simply clear because we think that's clarity where perhaps we need to live with a kind of complex thing that your father can be a tyrant and also yeah. a great and decent man and, and you, you can't resolve that you just hold those two ideas together yeah and those things are a process you know what I mean it's like there, there is understandably especially in families a period of anger and mm. and uh, and uh, and trying to understand sort of like why you are the way you are based on you know where you're from <laughs> But then I think at a certain point, like you have to sort of put down that blame and 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 uh, and, and that that sort of inventory of, mm. of of harm and failure and and just accept people, you know. For you know, we don't choose these families; we're in them. And um, but you know, we're, they're they're sort of all we've got. And also, you 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 assemble a family around you to fill in the gaps. And some people, you know. There, there are families that should be left behind. That shouldn't, yeah. you know, where like, you know, reunions and reconciliations and forgiveness, like, you know, there's probably some damage that's too great and and fair enough. But, um, you know, uh, and and so hopefully those people will like go off and, you know, find a tribe that can give them everything that they didn't get um, in their growing up. Um, but I think that the 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 more usual situation is you. You, there are, you find a tribe and, and a family outside of the family you're from and, and in adulthood and the, the balance of those two um, you know, kind of communities are, are what sustain you. I mean, that's been my experience. I mean, there seems to be a slight trope with so many people being on this, on this, um, on this podcast that, that, in fact, the, the three Booker writers... It's about finding kind of de- almost de facto families. Well, Hanya's book is totally about that. Yeah, yeah. But and the danger, the, almost the opposite of what you're saying. That, I mean, she says rather memorably, "What happens if you can't get better? What if you can't get past those kind of traumas? Partly, what does that leave you? Where does that leave you as a friend um, in, in this character of Jude? What options does that leave Jude? And but you're, you seem to be more optimistic." 
I think it's realistic. I think, um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't expect that everybody can move beyond their traumas, um, and uh, I think it's, I mean, in a way, I think it's a miracle I, I, that I was able to move beyond mine. I think it's a miracle that some of the characters in Did You Ever Have a Family are able to begin to move beyond theirs. Okay. Um, and um, I think Hanya's portrait of, of, of you know, people sort of leaving great pain and, and, and then recreating it later and finding a community outside of where they're from and, um, and, and tracing that, how it shapes over decades, is, uh, I mean, it's a very realistic portrait. Um, even though it's heightened by extremity, uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I identified with Well, it's going to ask you, I mean, it's about a compulsive, addictive personality who tries to manage pain through certain kinds of rituals. Which is a in, which is a recreation of it, and and which is you know I think it's uh, it's what we do you know. But if it's unresolved, we keep on trying to resolve it, and then that becomes a sort of a form of control um, over ultimately what was uncontrollable once upon a time. Is is there a connection to to the act of writing? I mean, again, I return slightly to that idea of Lolly through June's perspective. Use art can order what seems chaotic. Um, is that part of what maybe helps you in, 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 as a positive sort of ver- version of that kind of just self-destructive behavior, the self-destructive ritual? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I resist the idea of like like art as therapy uh, or as as like purely cathartic experience. Sure. Um, but to deny that there is a catharsis in 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 writing about ideas um, that you're personally connected to or that trouble you or that perplex you and and, uh, and are important to you. Um, you know, it, it is a working out of something. It's like a Rubik's Cube. And, um, and so there is catharsis, but there's, you know, not always like a, there's not like a happy resolution to the problem always. Okay. Know, there, it's, it's uh, but, but I do think that you know, telling it slant, as Emily Dickinson suggested, is, is sometimes, you know, for people who are inclined, like, the only way to, to kind of respond to this sort of swell of idea and feeling. I mean, Did You Ever Have a Family certainly, like, came from a swell of, like, idea and feeling um, and agitation and interest and um, that, that, that stumbled in the beginning um, with bits and pieces and then over you know seven years shaped into something I don't know how I, I wasn't given other tools you know I mean that's just how I kind of re- I, how I respond I, I read books to to sort of find out sort of how the world is and and, uh, um, and then in that appreciate methods of telling and all that all that kind of stuff Is there one book, this is the Paris Review parody question, um, is there a book or a writer that made you want to write? So I asked David Gates, who kind of stumbled around and then said Beckett, so it was kind of nice to... Um, um, I, it was, you know... I, Thomas Hardy definitely okay. was one of the... I mean, the, just because... like, I mean, speaking of Jude, Jude Dipsure, you know, it's probably the book I've read the most, and... But I, and I go back to it, and I just, I think I just remember 
reading it for the first time when I was in high school and 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 just being so struck by the construction of it and you know this and um, and the audacity of it and um, and the strangeness of it and um, and uh, and also having a feeling of the author trying to tell me something through the story and I think you know my early reading was just about stories you know it's uh, I mean even like reading Fitzgerald and Hemingway like those were just great the, in, you know initially when I was reading them in like eighth and ninth grade these were stories to me and um, and only later did I sort of begin to glean meaning but with with Hardy I think there was just this this stimulation that occurred and and, uh, and and I and I was like oh you can do this like you can you can explore ideas and tell a story and you know be connected intellectually and emotionally to a piece of literature so I think if there's any it'd be it'd be him is it also that sense of Course and effects, and I, I thought, I mean, there's one of the most lovely bits of writing. Again, it's June. Um, she knows that if she could retrace her steps after that phone call from Peg, rethink every decision that followed, she would not be standing on the shore of a lake in the middle of nowhere, and everyone would be alive. And it's, it's heartbreaking. And it's that sense that if you could just move one piece of the jigsaw, that you could save everyone's life. And that, there are other moments I thought of Hardy, just the, the way that characters retrospectively are thinking. Oh, this, the this, the this. Yeah, and if not that, then what would have been? You know, just these choices that have consequence, and um, and then and then kind of tracing the dominoes in reverse. Ah. You know, sort of how each one fell because of this one false step, and um, and yeah, and you know, of all the characters in the book, well, they all Silas and June and Lydia each carry an enormous amount of regret. And, um, but I think June's is so total um, and, and, and so complete. And so that she doesn't change her clothes. She, she's almost fixed. She's, she's, she's frozen in the problem. Like, she's, she's, she's caught in, in her regret. Like, she, she, she replays that. And so, yes, yeah, she's in the same clothes. She's like, she's, she's, she hasn't moved on. She hasn't... Um, and, and there's a part of her that... I mean, the main part of her doesn't want to ever, because to, to move on from it and to not keep her failure in sight feels like a betrayal. Um, Does it, it also keeps you almost in contact with those people at the moment they've got. And I was thinking that in a way, this is a tragedy and told through the aftermath, and the difference being that if you go and watch, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch prancing about as Hamlet, you're seeing the main plays and the tragedy, but the aftermath of the tragedy will be experienced by Horatio, it'll be the, it'll be the bit part plays, these are the void, the, 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 the main plays that, that, that we don't hear from except for, for Lolly, what we get is the, the slightly dispersed, almost the supporting cast, which yeah. made it, I thought, very, very moving, because you don't, you can't think of what the consequence of, of these events are always on um, the, the people who are extinguished are, are, are gone. Yeah, it's, um, they're gone, and 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 they're and and just to navigate, and especially if there's a sense of like culpability or responsibility for for those deaths, um, then which you know is can can work as a metaphor for all sorts of losses. You know, I mean, it's if I. 
you know, had an, um, embezzled money at this job and, and, you know, lost my career or if I hadn't, you know, had this affair, then my marriage would still exist or if I hadn't, um, you know, um, said that nasty thing to this friend, like, we would still be friends. Like, I think, you know, there's all sorts of, like, smaller, like, regrets that we sort of mull over and, uh, you know, again and again and again. Unbelievably painful teenage memories of, of not wanting to share the bunk. I mean, those are the things where I put... Oddly, it's where I had to put the book down quietly instead because you... Those are all sorts of kind of and awful... When, and when parents tell you as a kid, like, you'll never forget this stuff. Yeah. Like, you'll live with it. Like, it's true. <laughs> I mean, I... I there are... Yeah. You, they, you carry that... that um, those horrible moments. And, and kids are horrible. I mean, like, there's... You know, they're, they're working... Because if you think about it, like it's it's all back to that fear idea. It's like kids have so little control over their environments. They have more now, it seems. Um, but you just you know, so everything is so scary and, and camp and school and all sorts of and uh, and so you know, with very little you know tools and very little control and all this fear, it's no wonder that they're such monsters to each other. Yeah. Huh? And uh, but then when you look at, back on it with like these sort of adult eyes, you know, you can't imagine betraying somebody like that, or you can't imagine, you know, um, bullying some kid, or you know, whatever the whatever the, the the rotten behavior was. But but it's also very hard to like reoccupy precisely how powerless you felt in those moments, and so because. Now you have command over your living environment, your career, your relationships to some extent. And then, you know, so, um, so these behaviors that, that kids have are just, they're, sometimes they're so atrocious. But they really are operating from a different place. Like they are, yes. they're, they're in a very different place. And, um, and so, but I, you know, I, I have all these oh, <laughs> memories. <laughs> I, yeah.